Hello and welcome in to episode 31 of the Orlando Drummer Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. We got brother Chris Brack today. Hey, what's going on? Chilling, man. Chilling. Been, uh... Been beat up this week physically. It's rough been, one. yeah. It, I don't. I obviously for you. I know that you've had a lot of projects going on around the house, and then I've just been yeah. at work, uh, working my ass off for the past three weeks. It's been a busy season oh, for yeah? the production industry. So that's a big positive. Oh yeah, for everybody Events coming back. Everything exactly. So um, yeah, now we get to go and enjoy events and yeah. um, have more stuff to talk about, which is exciting. Oh yeah. So, oh, let yeah. me ask you this. Actually, I was, I was curious thinking about this earlier today. When you do different types of exercise, like especially aerobic exercise, mm-hmm. like cardio, how does it make you feel after? Like, how do you feel in the hours after going for a run or like breaking a hard mm-hmm. sweat? I mean, usually more productive. Really, it, even more productive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I That's mean, I, it's yeah. it's more of like a momentum thing. Um, okay, I, I gotcha. think we've all kind of experienced just like, oh, like I did something, and yeah. then automatically, just because of the serotonin release in your brain, sure, you're now like, oh, I can do more. Sure, that's kind of how I like am, you start the day in like a higher gear sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people, like a lot of like people I look up to are like 5 a.m. workout people. Yeah. Or they're just like, start my day, 5 a.m., workout, then I get coffee, breakfast, water, da-da-da, and then I start my day. Sure, and sure. just like more productive that way. I like the thought of starting the day in like a higher gear, but man, I've been finding this week, so I've been I've been practicing a, a ton recently, like an hour to two hours a day, and not, not just practicing, but like full intensity, like rehearsing for a drum clinic I have coming up, actually, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, but man, I don't know, I've been finding like, for me, cardio, specifically cardio, not weightlifting, not like every type of exercise, but cardio leaves me like so foggy. I don't know if it's mm. that I don't get the like dopaminergic or serotonergic like hit that a lot of people get. You don't get, get a runner's high? I do, but it, it feels like... It, it feels like I'm high, like uncomfortably high, like out of it and can't focus and can't concentrate and can't listen very well. Like I'll put on a podcast after mm-hmm. I go for a run or play drums for like two hours. And then I'm just like, I can't even hear what they're saying. Like three minutes go by and I'm like, I don't know what was said here. It's probably like your gone, brain you know? <laughs> just like, dude, rest for like a second. Yeah, and so yeah. it's like you used a lot of physical and brain power put together, which is the drums. Sure, You know, sure. Why don't you just take a second to chill? Yeah, that's for, probably not, or like, <laughs> not good at Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, of course, like you feel more productive because of, you know, doing aerobic exercises and everything like yeah. that. But your body might just tell you, hey, slow down. Sure. So it's best to listen to your body. Well, if I'm a little sluggish today, that's why. Definitely uh, <laughs> definitely feel it. I don't know. I'm not used to practicing at full intensity. That's a big difference, too, right? Mm. Where you play as though you're on stage, like practice that way. So just yeah. covered in sweat, man. It just leaves me kind of foggy feeling. But um, anyway, so that's the other kind of cool thing we want to kick off here. Um, I'm officially playing the Tam Tam Drum Festival in Seville, Spain. Um, Seville, if you're from uh, Florida like we are. But um, <laughs> yes, but Seville. Yeah, Seville. Um, man, I'm so excited to play this. But what's funny is, you know, we booked it uh, through Minel. Minel Symbols helped book the gig. And they're, they're mainly responsible for helping me get there. But... This was maybe a month or two ago, and so we got it booked. But you know, they don't tell you who's on these things. They don't. <laughs> they don't tell. They just say like, "Hey, you're playing it. Congratulate!" And that's it, right? So, like three or four days ago, the flyer comes out, oh, dude. It this whole thing is so much different than I thought it was because. Yeah. 
I, at the very least, I, I hope that I'm opening for, uh, who is it? Let's just, let's pull it up, dude. I don't yeah, want to like not mention any of the you names. You texted me this photo and yeah. I was like, holy Dude, I know. I'm going to grab my phone over here. I so, got it right here. So All right. You so, gotta go ahead. yeah. So from the top, well, this, I don't think that this is in order of. Like, I, I hope it's in order of who's playing because if I'm you go first, first and open it, then that's great. I have to open, yeah, dude. Because, I do not want to follow any yeah, of these people because we've got Damian Schmidt, mm-hmm. Dave Weckel, Jergo Borlai, mm. Manu Reyes Jr., Peter Erskine, Virgil yeah. Donati, and Rafa Rabal and Rare Folk, dude. And the uh, dude, the hitters are. Weckel, Borlai, and Donati. Are you kidding yeah. me? If you made a list of the top 20 most technically skilled and accomplished drummers in the world, all three of them could easily be on that list. Mm-hmm. Top 20 of all time? Yeah. Easily could be, man. Um, my first pair of drumsticks ever were Dave Weckel's orange signature sticks in were like 2002 the, or something. The, like orange or are they the maroon ones? I can't remember. Was it Zildjian or they were Vic Firths? Vic, Vic Firths. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember if he was pro Weckl. I think or... he's Zildjian or Sabian. I think. Just dude, just crazy. And you know, it's not like I watch all of these drummers regularly. Mm-hmm. So I went back over the last few days and watched um, some Jurgo Borlai videos and Virgil Donati videos, and just like, oh my god, dude, it, it's. It's such a mixture of like terror and excitement at the exact same time. Like obviously super exciting to like meet him, hang out with them, share a stage with them, really cool. And then at the same time, it's like, I'm probably gonna fuck something up. Like for, No, <laughs> for I sure. mean I think I think you're overthinking it, you know. I I think what if anything, you will because of the the age gap that exists in that, I I think Moreover, they'll be impressed, probably. They probably won't know what to expect. Because I'm willing to bet, not to like put you down, they probably don't know your background or your history into the probably drum not, industry. Yeah. But you know theirs. Yes. So they're just like, who's this guy? And then yeah. you have every right to go from zero to hero in that regard. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. And texting a few you know, drum buddies about this, like, oh, dude, can you believe the, these are the people I'm going to be playing with at this thing? And again, hopefully opening for it. That's my hope. I hope that I'm like the social media-based opener for yeah. this whole show. That would make the most sense if that's that's what I was brought in for. Um, but you know, I was uh, talking with Eric and Proda, and he had great advice. He was like, dude, he's like, you're not, you're not going to impress them or anybody else by like trying to be like hyper technical or competing with them he's like your best move is just to play to your own strengths like yeah. do whatever you're good at yeah. and like you know i needed to hear that that's that's really really true because there is one thing that you can confidently say something that i can do that dave weckle cannot is is demonstrate like my own personal style like th- that's a that's a non-competitive yep. element of music like nobody's going to sound exactly like you when it comes to your your touch your feel your mannerisms things like that so you know it's a good opportunity good exercise for me to lean into my strengths um and not try to compete technically if that makes sense because like any one of them will, <laughs> will just wreck you you know it's it's not worth it to look at it that way so uh man it'll be really really fun only thing it sucks 11 hour flight to get over there. So That's a why is it flight. why is it eleven? Mm, you have to go out of Miami. So, so you you're know. flying from 
Orlando to Miami, and then Miami just to... To Sevilla, yeah. Yeah, straight to Spain. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, just 11 hours is brutal, man. Because even if you sleep, you're not sleeping the whole time. But it's not not 11 hours from Miami to Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the 11 hours? That's the 11 hours. That's crazy. When I flew from Orlando to Frankfurt, it was six hours. Really? Which is farther. That seems crazy. I don't know what airline you're taking. (laughs) Yeah, actually, I don't know either. I have no idea what airline is. (laughs) Because our, you know, I was asleep, but like, yeah, six hours and eleven hours. I've been on a fifteen-hour flight. Oh, dude, fifteen. Oh my god, thank you. You come out of that wanting to murder somebody. Yeah. So I can see why uh, people do that. (laughs) Well, and so there's there's one other thing I wanted to get your opinion on actually, and anybody listening, I'd love your opinion as well. Um, this this festival, have you ever watched any of the videos from Tam Tam? Which you've probably seen them on accident. There's yeah, so many of yeah, them. Yeah, I've definitely seen them. It's just I don't have, I can't recall them right now. They're, yeah, they're, they're really cool. Just like a big um, a big indoor theater. I think the theater holds like a thousand people and it's it's normally packed. Mm. Um, but it's really, really cool. They have all of the, the drum sets on the stage behind the kit that's playing and they're all on like rollers. So they oh, just, they roll the stage deck out. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Super, super cool. So it's a really cool looking setup. But they have a translator. And I've really been trying to think about how much of a clinic I want to make it where you teach a lot, like you play a little bit, but it's like a big lesson and then questions at the end. And I don't know, something about having a translator there makes me feel like I should play more and translate less. Imagine trying to teach patterns to a thousand people Mm -hmm. as it's like getting live translated, right? Like something about that seems a little like clunky, like it would just make more sense to like talk a bit less and play a little bit more. It could, Um, if you, I I would say talk to your translator prior to the clinic. Um, It's important to kind of get a a feel for what what their diction and, and their dialogue is like as English being probably their second language. Yeah. Unless it's not, Um, but then they can at least say, okay, talk a little bit slower or talk a little bit faster because I can keep up or maybe I can't or something like that. Yeah. And then maybe it might flow nicer. Yeah. So Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just a, um, a more of like a mini lesson is kind of what I'm thinking because my clinics normally I'll do like a song, maybe two songs, 30 or 40 minutes of like a lesson mm-hmm. and then like one or two songs at the end and that's kind of it. You know, you do questions and answers and stuff. But anyway, I'm thinking I might do like six or seven songs, a little heavier on that, but... Did, I don't know. Did they not ask for like a like a formula for, or did they not give you like a structure for it? They just said here, just take an hour. Well, it's weird. They, they didn't give. Yeah, they basically said take an hour and have a bunch of songs ready, and that was kind of it. And in watching all of these other Tam Tam videos, you know, over the last several years, it's a total mix. It's mm-hmm. a mix of people who just played like an hour of music and then like walked off, and then there's some people who do like full-blown like drum clinics with lessons built in audience exercises all that kind of stuff and then there's people that do these hybrids um so i have a feeling it'll be be up to me but i don't know something about like uh if i went to a clinic in a foreign country and the drummer didn't play very much and they talked and it was all translated i feel like eh, i don't know if i'd like that so i don't know what do you guys think curious curious what you think it's uh, uh still still a month out so. yeah Brush up on your Spanish. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. You yeah. Go. Formal Spanish. You got Spanish from Spain, so it's a little bit different. Yeah. Than any Spanish that you'll get here. I speak more Spanish than anything else. I don't actually speak Spanish, but I got some. Than uh, any other language second to English, right? Yes, yeah. yes. I know more Spanish than any other. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I do need to brush up, though. I was thinking about getting some 
like <laughs> YouTube lessons or something. Being a phrase book or a um, phrase book would be nice. Yeah, if you know anybody that speaks Spanish, have a short conversation with them. Yeah, and just you know, my pick electrician up, Jose. Actually, there yeah. you go. Yeah, Talk yeah, to yeah. Jose and then uh, say, hey, go in here. What do you, yeah. you know? What do you know? Unless. He's like, I'm from Puerto Rico. I don't know anything about that. But, you know, their, their, their languages are so, so different. Portuguese, yeah, very different. Well, no, Puerto Rico speaks Spanish. Oh, Puerto Rico is Spanish. I think you're Brazil. Spain, yeah, but, but Spain speaks Spanish, but the dialect is just so Slightly different. Slightly different. And slower, yeah. too, so probably yeah. easier to understand. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah. awesome. Hell, Can't yeah. Wait, man. Yeah, man. Well, so we'll have more news on that as it you know gets a little bit closer. Oh, tickets for that, by the way, um, both digital tickets, if I'm not mistaken, to for the live stream and tickets in person at the actual venue in uh, Sevilla. Those go on sale October 13th, which might be the same day this podcast comes out, uh, like Monday, I think, Monday or Tuesday. That's Wednesday of next week. Wednesday. Okay, yeah. so mid next Sorry, week. Sorry, Tuesday. I'm getting my days. <laughs> <laughs> Around the middle of next week, tickets go, go on sale. Um, you can go to tamtampercussion.com uh, or just Google Tam Tam Drum Festival. You'll find it. But yeah, I'll have some more news on that soon. Um, oh, and then I meant to ask you too, dude. You went to the Harry Styles show. I did. I saw. How was uh, that, man? I saw a very uh, talented man. Um, a high, high budget production. Holy I imagine. moly! Okay, so if I could <laughs> take a break to, spend, yeah. to talk about the, the the production element of yeah, the show, yeah, I want to hear about it. Yeah. Uh, so it's an arena, so you have a rotunda setup. Um, they basically just had um, one center stage with only two sides being extended all the way out about maybe forty feet. Okay. To a smaller stage, which lit up from the bottom, which was already impressive. Cool. And it's a lot of floor seating, but then it's an arena, so it arcs up. Yeah, I think that maybe floor seating looked to be about uh, three, 3,500 people, um, okay. and then it's a 20,000-person arena. So it mm-hmm. was from the floor to the ceiling, sold out, mm-hmm. packed. Crazy. Um, his audience is mostly younger women, so sure. needless to say, my ears hurt afterwards. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Did you sit next to a screamer? <laughs> well, I was with my girlfriend, and then, it, weirdly, the people around us were not loud. Oh, that's good. But the sound from the floor resonated <laughs> around the arena so 20, much. 20,000 teenage girls. <laughs> well, yeah, if you just think of like how sound works, it just kind of curls in and then yeah. goes straight into your ears, mm-hmm. and then you think you're going to bleed. And then... <laughs> Above it had maybe, I don't know, um, let's call it 350 lights for the entire show, four very large video screens able to be viewed from any angle in the arena, Yeah. two 40-inch disco balls that came down at the end of it, um, an incredible amount of lighting uh, on the stage itself, um, and the band was absolutely phenomenal. I was going to ask, they did full band, I imagine. Full band. Yeah. They've been touring with him since he went solo cool. um, for most of those members. Pardon me for forgetting the drummer's name. Um, <laughs> she was amazingly oh, clean. Drummer. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Um, actually, mostly female was the band. In the band, okay. Um, uh, I do remember the name of the guitarist for the tour. His name was Mitchell Rowland. Okay. Um, he's killer. And then they had a percussionist on the gig. And if you've ever listened to Harry Styles, it's pretty simple. It's pop music. So any percussion that's riddled into the production is very minimal. Mm. So the percussionist had very small parts. If you want to audition <laughs> to play for Harry Styles, I'm sure you make it. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> but this dude was having the time of his life on stage. Yeah. Just like he would clearly have like half of a verse to just screw around. It yeah. was just like dancing. 
it was insane. <laughs> um, and then it's just, it's fun. I missed going to shows. Sure. And seeing people with that level of talent um, portray it live and, and kill it. And yeah. He did a big thank you to everybody involved in the production, the crew, um, security and the arena itself. Course, yeah, at that level, know. they might be touring with a hundred people. You know, it looked like when they did. So his opener was Jenny Lewis, okay. um, who's a. I heard of her. I want to call her a country singer. Okay. Um, very very beautiful voice. Very very nice music. Um, very simple. Reminded me of every country artist I've ever listened to. Sure. But when they did the swap uh, between the opener and him, it looked to be like. 20 techs on stage just scrambling. Yeah. And going for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's arena level, you know? Yeah. Oh, that arena level is insane um, of what they do and what they can accomplish uh, in a timely manner. It's it's crazy. Then they had cameras and it just, it was, it was, yeah. it was wild. Nuts, it was man. wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like some of his... Some of his music I like a lot. It depends on the song. There's a handful that made it on the radio that like personal opinion or like throwaway pop songs like not a big deal but there's some some songs like buried on the album mm -hmm. uh, kelly will play it sometimes and man there's a handful on there that are like whoo like that is a excellent like a like poisonous <laughs> melodies where mm -hmm. like you are you can hate this and you're gonna sing it all day like that catchy that good like yeah there's some really really good like timeless pop writing reminds me a little bit of um like the songs about Jane era with Maroon 5 mm -hmm. about just like if you say you don't like it then you just don't like catchy music and that's it yeah. you know like it's just super timeless songs that that haven't they have no expiration date like people will enjoy this 30 years from now 100 years from now it, yeah. so music like that yeah you know? absolutely it's what it, it will extend his career for three or four more decades sure and he'll just you know retire after that and stay cool yeah um and his best song i didn't go just for my girlfriend i do enjoy sure. his music oh, i'm with you i would have enjoyed it and, too yeah. uh so his my favorite song on his uh first album she he performed which was crazy because it's like an eight minute song yeah and like three minutes of it is just jamming which is <laughs> i was like well that's cool so ecstatic cool to see a that there seeing that yeah, yeah. And Hell then yeah. one funny story. I, I've never experienced this. Maybe it's like post-COVID or just the fact that it's an arena gig. Um, obviously, being men, we have no lines in our bathrooms. And women have ah. huge lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So get, I was like, man, I got to pee. <laughs> I've had two drinks already. Uh, let me just skirt into the bathroom during intermission. And I'm the only man in the bathroom. And there are about... 15 women just waiting for the one stall in the men's bathroom. Weird. Which I was like, we all yeah, do that. It's not that big I don't of a care. Deal. You're using yeah. a stall, you're closing a door, whatever. And all the women felt uncomfortable. And as I was like washing my hands and leaving, they kind of went, thank you. And I was like, for what? For you're what? just taking a piss. <laughs> like, I don't care. Wasn't trying to make it weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but that was interesting. And then I went, how many stalls are in the women's bathrooms? Gesturing to my girlfriend. And she's like eight. How yeah. many? How many are in the men's? And I was like, one. One. One stall, stall in the men's in the bathroom. Arena? Well, in the not the bathroom, but what? 
I'm assuming every men's bathroom yeah. on that level had one stall huh. and seven urinals. That's funny. I was like, well, well at sense. a show that was probably 80% female. That was it, what one of the girls was saying. Yeah, she was, was like, the core audience time, is If female. there was ever a time to be like, hey, we're going full gender, gender neutral bathrooms did, today. Yeah. Like when there's... Well, I mean, it might have been 90% female at a show like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense than any other situation, for sure. Not like an equal distribution of gender at a show like that. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. I and you. even some employees were just like, I don't care. It's the same mess to clean up. I wouldn't up. care in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, same, who cares? It's the same mess to clean up. It's, Good point. Uh, yeah, Good point. <laughs> yeah. And so for that regard and that argument of people pissing and shitting in the same hole, <laughs> like, who cares? Yeah. Um, I feel you at the Harry Styles show in that circumstance, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, Dude, that's awesome, man. I'm jealous you got to go to that. Yeah. Um, sick, yeah. man. Sick. Well, we do have one segment we're going to do today. We're, we're take, making this somewhat of a more yeah, of a chill it episode. But. It, yeah, it's very relaxed. I think it's more so we're very, very, you know, heavily worked. And yes. it's, it's hard to talk about stuff. But with exciting announcements like Tan Tam and, you know, seeing live shows for the first time, it's good to kind of get into a different sure rhythm. oh absolutely man. uh but for the most part um we still talk about drums right yes at this we show we circle back <laughs> we circle back and one of our most popular segments on this one of the originals uh from way back when is accent or ghost yes, where sir. we get adam's view on many aspects of the drumming industry and at the end we'll get an approval in the form of an accent or a disapproval in the form of a ghost so our first topic for accent or ghost adam is Drum racks. What you think about them? How are they? Are they cool? Are they heavy? Do they suck? Do they rock? Drum racks. So I just posted. Um, what did I post? It was it was on YouTube in the community mm. area of YouTube. Mm. Um, I'm actually gonna I'll put it on the screen. Uh, but what I did was was do like a little poll, mm. and I asked people. I said, uh, "What is your opinion on drum racks?" I gave five options. Um, so we got. I'm curious what who you think won this actually. Mm. I don't. Yeah, because I don't know the results. You kept them hidden from me. So okay. So there's there's five choices. Um, choice A: Everyone needs a rack. Choice B, uh, they're for metal metal players only. <laughs> choice C, they're useful, but too ugly. Um, choice four is undecided. And then choice five was other. You know, explain yourself in the comments. So we basically have everyone needs one. It's only for metal players. Useful, but too ugly. Or I just can't decide. I want to think it's I can't decide. Because if, if, if your audience is anything, it is that they are smart. And that they listen to what we say, which is use things for their use. So I think mm -hmm. maybe they thought, oh, I, I can't decide. You know, you use it for what you use it for. So yeah. maybe it's undecided. So that was the second most popular oh. choice. 22% of people. We had over 1,000 votes on it. 22% um, of people said they were undecided. But 40% of people said useful but too ugly. Which I thought was really interesting. That, that means most people are like, oh yeah, it makes sense, but I won't use it. You have an aesthetic displeasure to something that makes everything easier. Right, but I mean, that's how I feel. Like, I could appreciate the utility of a rack for sure. Like, of course it makes everything easier, but like, I don't like how that looks. At the same time, I, I don't like racks because they are massive. Mm -hmm. And it makes for... I don't know, setting up in a hurry to be kind of a hassle. I think that yeah, like if, if you're if you're on tour, cool. You flip that thing out, everything's saved, nothing changes. Um I yeah. remember I did a I probably mentioned this on the podcast before I did a loadout with uh for Alice Cooper and um Glenn Sobel was their drummer yeah. on that tour. He's sick, sick insane. drummer. Insane. 
And uh, he had a rack for that, and it just folded, went in a case. So for the next night, they just have to take it out, unfold it, and it's done. And yeah. then you're just putting like toms where they go, and it just makes yeah. the text life easier. <laughs> well, we um, had one one comment on this this thread from uh, Mauricio Bolas, um, who actually mentioned uh, Gibraltar has a stealth rack. And g- Google this real quick. You ever seen that thing? I, ha- I think I have. Um, let me let me let me. Yeah, Google. Gibraltar stealth rack. For those of you guys that don't know, I'll put a picture of it on the screen for for those of you guys watching on YouTube. But um, it's basically like a super low profile rack where the bars, the horizontal oh. bars, only go like maybe halfway up the floor toms like they don't go in front of the rack toms they don't go like above the kick drum it's like really really low on the ground and it's not a a rack that's like three sides where there's one big bar that goes all the way across the front of the kit and then two bars that go along the side they're really small so let's just say on the right side of your kit if you had one ride cymbal and two crashes you could put all three of those on one of these little stealth racks and leave that over to the side so I don't know, to me, this idea made a lot of sense. So what I did was I emailed Pearl and I asked them, like, is there some way to make something similar to this with the Pearl rack setup? Because Pearl, Pearl setups are really modular. Like it, you can buy one giant rack system, like the Icon rack system, and it includes all, you know, everything you would need. But you can also order little individual parts, like one single straight bar or one curved bar and then little adapters and little symbol grabbers. And mm. so I'm working with Pearl right now to see what we can sort of like, I don't know, I don't want to call it like Frankenstein together, but like build something using Pearl products that resembles that low profile kind of stealth idea. Mm. Um, anyway, so we'll, we'll see. I think it'll be a really fun video because for me, I don't know. I don't break down my kit and set it up very often. So, like, if I was touring, I wouldn't be interested. Like, I want stands, fold them up, throw them in a case, way easier. Mm -hmm. But if I don't have to touch it and I can leave it all in one place, I like the idea of cleaning up the floor, not having all these legs everywhere. Because it's just, you know, it's chaos down there sometimes. Like, not that you film it very often, but so much easier to vacuum under your kit, uh, to run cables down the rack, things like that. So, anyway, I'm talking with Pearl to see if we can actually... Um, you know, cobble something together. But anyway, so anyway, we're trying to accent or ghost um, rack units. I would say I'll give them the accent for the non-touring drummer. You know, I think if you are, unless you have techs, if you're at a certain level, do whatever you want. You got, you know, people to, to move your gear around. Yeah, who cares about your opinion? You, yeah. just, you just tell Jeff to deal with it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's the thing. If you have enough hands to fold the rack up and put it away, yeah. then sure. Um but I think where it makes the most sense, you know where, I, this is where I used to run into racks all the time. The like stay at home dad drummer, like the guy that's yeah. retired and he's just got, yeah. he's got money, he's got his drum room or a man yeah. cave or something. And they just do the rack to just have like infinite accessories. Like I get it, I get it. That makes life so much easier. <laughs> and you're not gonna move it if you're not playing shows or you've got a backup kit to go play shows with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think in a lot of scenarios it could make sense. That or metal, if you're going hardcore metal, a rack is probably the way to go, man. Why not? You know, it's just, it's just a yeah. vibe. It's got a vibe to yeah. it. Yeah, so. holds more stuff. Uh, easier for Vortex and a touring metal gig to just plop up. Yeah. Boom. Tom, Tom, Tom. Everything's yeah. triggered because you're a metal player and nothing's tuned. Uh, <laughs> and then you just, you know, pop everything up. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, I think I'll give it the accent overall. It's not for no. everybody, but I think it's probably... 
it's a shame that something so useful doesn't get used that much because of aesthetics. That kind of sucks, but I get it. I'm kind of a nerd for aesthetics, too. If it's yeah. ugly, I normally don't want it on the kit. I, so. I, I challenged somebody to find the functional drummer, which is somebody who ignores all aesthetic anything mm. and just says, no, this just works because of this one reason that I have it, you know. I would. I don't think that exists. Yeah, I think some people are a little bit too hyper focused on like how things look. Sure, which is fine. I don't care. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's I, contextual too. I think you find in the studio when you're really recording for an album, like high end sounds, mm. people tend to not care about aesthetics well, at all. Yeah, right. It's not you, being photographed or recorded. Right. For anything, I think that's where you get so. some of the coolest sounding, but probably the most hideous drum setups oh, would be course. in the studio. Like, if whatever works, man. Who cares? If you've ever seen, oh, and of course, like, names, I'm so bad at it, but the drummer for the Black Keys did mm -hmm. an overrun of, like, their studio setup. And yeah, it's, just it's just some piece together ugly monstrosity. Just like a piece of shit. Um, but <laughs> probably sounded dope. clearly an influential music group. Sure, so it's sure. like it didn't go to waste, you know? Yeah. But um, all right, cool. So we'll accent drum racks. The next topic on Accent or Ghost is what do you think about EQ based products for bass drum muffling? Mm. Which, for an example, um, anything made by Remo, Evans, Pearl, Tama, Mapex, whoever yeah. makes anything to just put inside of your bass drum to help EQ that sound. Sure. So yeah, a lot of a lot of companies make these, right? I know Evans is called the EQ Pad, I think is what they call it. Um, Pearl has one too. It actually came, I don't know if it came with the Masterworks. I think it might have come with the Session Studio Select over there. Maybe. I might have that wrong. But um, a similar looking weird shaped... Uh, pad, and they have these Velcro strips that, that go inside your bass drum. The Velcro strip Velcro strip goes on the wood, and then the pillow has a corresponding Velcro strip, so kind of holds it in place. And I, I really don't know how different it is from like a t-shirt, right? Because when I was growing up, I don't remember that those products existing. Yeah, when I was like 13, or, it was a towel. Yeah. It was uh, the pillow to, out of the guest room. Yeah. You I put know. a moving blanket. A moving um, blanket? In, in, a, in, a, in a kick once, and it sounded dope it, it sounded awesome. fine i bet yeah. yeah it depends on the size of the kick too because your last kick was a 24 22 by 16 so 22 16 yeah so i mean that's fairly big yeah well that's probably close to like a, a normal size kick really mm -hmm. but i think the bigger you go the less effective those eq pads would be yeah, like you're gonna need if you're in a 24 18 kick mm -hmm. like those things aren't gonna do enough i have a feeling you would need like an actual pillow off of a bed or you would need like five or ten sweatshirts or something it just depends on the yeah. kick and how lively it is yeah um i don't know man i i'd really have to do an a b sort of test if i remember this correctly the evans eq pad comes with like an eq graph printed on the like packing material <laughs> and something about that seems like a touch silly like i don't really know dude like are you gonna hear that or not um i, I do think that one of the advantages, though, is that they they hold the pillow in in place, so it is partially touching the the actual drum head from the inside. Yes, right. Because if you put a bunch of random T-shirts in there, they're going to get bunched up and move around a little, and at some point they might actually all slide up against your rezo head, mm -hmm. which is not what you want. That's not where you want to mute. Just like on a on a like let's just say a rack tom, you don't mute the bottom. Like you want that to be open and resonant. That's why it's called the resonant head. Uh, you want to mute the, the top head, the batter, so you control that energy from the the beginning of the sound source, not the end. 
so I think that's one advantage of those kind of pillows is that they can they can just stay in place. They don't actually bounce around a little bit. Mm. But I think when you get into a, a certain size drum, I don't know that it would be be enough. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting one. I think I'll give them the accent to start the process of muffling a bass drum, but I don't know that it's the be all end all. I think there's some scenarios where it's just not enough and you're gonna need a little bit more. It also depends on your kick drum head setup. You know, I use an EMAD, which is not a resonant head. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be like a modern, punchy, super attacky sort of kick sound, which it is, um, but it's not really that that resonant. You know, if you were if you were rocking like an Evans calf tone, right, like a real old school kind of mm -hmm. sound, like a jazz sound, you might want a little more sing out of your bass drum. I don't know, that's gonna be trial and error, depends on the drum. I'll give them the accent overall, but just as a starting point. I would mm -hmm. say don't, uh, don't think that that's all you'll ever need in every scenario. You're probably gonna need to experiment depending on what you're doing, you know? And I think it could be mended too in post-production as well. Like you can go into Logic and EQ your bass if you have, you know, a mic for your resonant head and a mic for your batter head. You're sure. able to tune those to whatever you need to. Yeah. You know, one random piece of gear advice I could give, give people to check out is the company is called, I think the company is actually called Kelly, but the name of the product is the shoe S H U. I might have that wrong. Google, yeah, Google that real quick just to make sure I'm not going crazy. Yeah. Kelly S H U. Um, Anyway, what this is, it's it's a microphone that gets mounted in your bass drum, but it gets mounted in the dead center of the kick drum, like it floats oh, in the center. Okay. You, right, you see that thing? Yeah. So it's it's like um, I, I yeah, think. What's the description of it? I'm gonna they're gonna do a better job than I, uh, than an, I am. Our original patented shock mount system for kick drum microphones, no drilling required. So I guess it depends on the existing lugs. Yeah, uh, and you screws unscrew. already in your bass drum. Yep, you uh, unscrew and then you like put a little washer and the washer connects to an elastic band, and then these bands sort of like spider web towards the center, and yeah. it's a, a tension-based thing. It, it floats it there like a shock mount. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, they have one that actually sits flat on the bottom of your bass drum, too. That's oh, really okay. cool. Yeah, wow. Interesting. So what I do is I have the Audix D6 on that thing, which hovers in the center of my kick drum. That's the that's where I get all the modern punchy type sound. But then I actually have the Earthworks, I think it's the LS20 is the Earthworks kick microphone. And that's where I mount in the traditional spot, like through a porthole. Um, and to be honest, they, they, they it's just two different types of kick sounds, but I'll blend those two together is what I normally do. I used to do a kick batter um, microphone like on the front side of the kick but to be honest it was just so slappy and attacky I just didn't I didn't need that high end of a sound so mm. uh, but anyway highly recommend that is that what it's called the Kelly shoe it is Kelly shoe trademark Kelly yeah. shoe yeah I would highly recommend that thing it's like 50 bucks but there's nothing else like it on the yeah. market I've never seen anything I like thought that DW made like a shock mount like did that well I don't know I mean if right. your portal's big enough you can you can put a microphone in that spot. It's just like a really low, really long boom arm for the mic stand, which is just not ideal. Like you're gonna walk around your drum set and kick that thing and rip the resonant head. I've done that like a thousand times. My dog, Rhino, has ripped 
a number of resonant heads doing that. So yeah, I like the idea of um, of that thing right in the middle. Really cool invention. Really cool. Yeah, yeah they do have um, a similar system that mounts inside of the bass drum, but not like the Kelly shoe. It actually just mounts. It's a rail that mounts directly on the lugs inside of your kit. Huh? And you run a microphone cable to gotcha, the inside, gotcha. which is similar. But yeah, I think it's a cool, cool idea. The shoe because it's a patented trademark, so DW couldn't steal the actual concept for it. Probably keeps it from resonating against the bass drum head and therefore improving sound quality. Yeah. You wouldn't get any rattling. Yeah. Uh, starting but, at $47. But also imagine for touring, what a smart thing. You can leave the microphone in the kick drum the whole time. And so it's just reach yeah. in with an XLR, click, click, and yeah. your, kick, your kick drum is mic'd up the same every single night. You don't have to worry about a guitar player running in front of the kick, mm -hmm. uh, in front of the kit hitting the boom arm sticking out of the kick drum ripping the rezo head because yeah. no kidding i've done that like five times like just walking around the studio or filming or doing something and your ankle catches Boink. the boom stand boom and then you just shred the rezo head which are like 50 dollars or something mm -hmm. i've done that so many times so yeah i really really like that invention super cool yeah. again glenn sobel had the same thing did he his, really yeah so Sick. it was like one one kit or one kick where the check was just like, all right, this one's really heavy for no apparent reason. And you're just like, okay. And then do yeah. that. And he goes, and this one isn't really in use. Yeah. It's a dummy kick to make it look like a double bass oh, drum setup. The dummy kicks, yeah. But like, yeah. isn't used because he's got a double pedal hitting one. It's, yeah. it's silly, so funny. Silly, Matt silly. Griner did that for years and years too. A lot of drummers do it, man. I don't, yeah, that seems a little weird. Like imagine like you contact a drum company. Like you tell Pearl, like I need a, I need a, a secondary. <laughs> I need two bass drums. Yeah, and I bass never drum. play it. And they're just it's like, no why do you fucking use that? You, like you yeah. just, you don't. It's so weird. For a tour, I guess it makes sense. The showmanship element, I get it. Well, and it's like, dude, I need a DW, you know, performance series double bass drum kit. Yeah, like that's awesome. I mean, with Matt Griner, I wanted to buy a Truth kit for. 10 years yeah i, was just yeah, like, I yeah, want yeah. it so bad <laughs> i never got one um too funny yeah, yeah yeah but anyway are we going to accent or ghost eq based products for bass drum um, muffling so i'll say accent but again as a starting point as a starting point it, it might right. not solve every problem that you have but in my case that's all i'm actually using right now so i guess i gotta give it the accent that's what i use and it's totally fine totally all fine. right cool last topic on accent or ghost okay Frankenstein kits. Frankenstein. So you use multiple elements from multiple different kits, yeah. or you just find whatever you can to make a, you know, a kit. Yeah. So you know who comes to mind is, um, well, two drummers actually. One is Sput, right? And mm -hmm. and not in not in that it's it's like different brands necessarily. Obviously, he's a Tama artist, but more so that he'll have the timbali snare in the floor tom position and reversed rack tom sizes. And, you know, Annika kind of does that too. Larnell does that too. Uh, another drummer comes to mind is uh, Nick Baglio. Plays yeah. like, like sort of different heads on yeah. his kit. Um, I really don't mind it. I, I think... I think it depends on if your sound is like is is catered to that, right? Like if your playing style, if you get used to that and you know how to actually use an eclectic setup uh, in a way where you bring the most out of it, then for sure, I'm totally down for it. For me personally, th there's Benny Greb told me something years ago that I always remembered where he said one of the things that he loves about sonar drums is that he feels that they're really good at making cohesive kits where they're not blending 
different types of woods to get a certain rack time sound, but then a different floor time sound that he liked that they seemed to focus on making the kits cohesive, where all of the, like, the rack tom is made out of beach or whatever it's made out of. And so is the floor tom, right? So it's got like, like the kit actually sounds like one completed instrument. And, you know, I, I kind of like that that setup myself. That's kind of how I, I went with this Pearl Masterworks. Like it's very cohesive. I, I thought about adding mahogany to the floor toms and, you know, uh, maybe a little bit thicker in the floor toms, like mismatching some things. And I decided not to do that because I like that idea of like a cohesive instrument. But I don't think... I would know what to do with that Frankenstein kit. If I had a different playing style, like Sput or Nick Baglio, like or even Larnell, then you know they have these really eclectic, crazy sort of sounds. And I think they can get the most out of a kit like that. So I don't think there's any wrong way to do it. Um, I think it's just it depends on your play style, really. So those drummers are good examples of people whose play style makes sense for that, right? They uh Sput especially, just like such a weird musical kind of player that he can make use of you could give him just pots and pans and it would sound sick you know so the idea that he's got all these voices in his head and his kit looks like this pile of random voices and janky different ideas like i like that i think it fits him really well so i'll give it the accent not for me personally i like the I like the matchy matchy kind of kind of sound and look and everything. Picking uh, aesthetics over function. Yeah, again, a, another example of that. A little know? bit. Yeah, it's also a little bit more of like a sonic purist kind of look. You know, and think about this in like guitar world. Like it's like the guitar player who says, "I like American guitar tones," and his pedal board and his guitar choice and his pickups and his amplifier would all reflect that he wants this purest American guitar tone. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with a pedal board that's like some crazy mix of like metal pedals and jazz pedals and mm. right like weird pickups in the wrong guitar. Like that stuff's cool too. It's just, you know, are you like a purist or not, you know? Mm. Um so yeah, it not for me, but I'll give it the accent. I do think it's cool seeing drummers play those kind of kits. All right, cool. We got a heavy accent on everything. All accents today, much. yeah. All accents today, cool. which is those are good know. ones. I like those. Yeah, it was awesome. Um and then really for the rest of this podcast, we're gonna talk about your new kit, man. Sure, sure. So well, for anybody that hasn't heard, yeah. you know, we had I did a an hour-long monologue basically about this drum set. But, um, dude, I'd love to get your thoughts on it because you obviously played it a couple times and and seen her now. But um, I did. What, what's your impression of it, man? So my first question for you, I don't know if you answered it. Your last kit, the, uh, the Sonar mm -hmm. SQ-1, was named Sophia. Sophia. Which is creepy. Um, <laughs> are you I wanted a pretty German girl name. That's what I wanted. Is that a German name, Sophia? I had to look it up, and it totally was. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, are you naming this kit? So um, this is a great thing to actually ask the audience, like name suggestions. Yeah, throw them out there, man. Um, I'm leaning towards <laughs> – Kelly hates this. I don't give a shit. Uh, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaning towards Linda because Lin it's, <laughs> it's Black Limba, and so it helps you remember oh, it helps you remember the finish. Oh, okay. Right? So she's that, that Limba Linda. But uh, I don't know. That's what I'm leaning towards. But like at the same time, it's just a it's a giant joke. It's a piece of wood. Yeah, you know. So like I don't care. But I would love name suggestions from anybody listening. Seriously. But Linda is what I'm leaning towards. All right. Cool. So we got li uh, Limba. What does she strike you as? Limba Linda. Oh man. Um, I like Carol. <laughs> yeah. Carol. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> name her Karen. Keep yeah. it cultural. Yeah. yeah. Feral Carol. She's a fucking. Feral Carol. She's a fucking beast, dude. <laughs> 
um yeah it's it it's really i got to play it i think you were out of the studio and you're like hey i got it like go check it out and oh, i, was like, I wasn't right. here i just texted him like hey go in the yeah, studio yeah. i left it unlocked for him and yeah. i was like i was like cool and then i you know took a minute and then i realized i had to go do something so i was like what do i wait for him or do i play it and i was like oh dude you play yeah. i was like oh just like, you know i'll fiddle around and mind you it has been a full calendar year since i have sat down at a kit yeah it, a full calendar year so uh real rusty gears but beautiful i haven't heard a kit sing in person for so long yeah. that it was i mean I, I noticed that you were still kind of fine-tuning it sure sure but i think that process takes a, a very long time with a high level kit like this it definitely does you gotta get to know it um, yeah. and um it, it if you saw it in a music store, and you were like, can't wait to play a Masterworks. It wouldn't sound as good as the job you did tuning it, because store clerks just like don't <laughs> yeah, a know. Bunch of kids <laughs> so I think it it's, <laughs> it's very fitting for the level of player that you are, and it's very good that you got it, and within like a day, you were just like squared away and tuned it to sound as beautiful as yeah. it did. It tuned up um, quick too, man. Really, yeah. really quick. Uh, and then the finish is really interesting because it's like the exact opposite of what you had with the sonar yeah it's a lot more interesting looking of a kit and that's not a knock on the sq1 no, but it came yeah. in really basic matte colors yeah you, know? you get a matte black kit it's basically like having just like a straight black car right yeah. Think but like it's a black Rider. kit in a black room which got old you know yeah and now you have well with the aesthetic of the studio being that you have all these warm tones and everything and yeah. everything on the wall here the floors and the you know it kind of matches sound the floor. boxes it's not too far off it's right? it's yeah it's very close <laughs> the to family. the the faux wood floor that you guys probably can't see but it's been, definitely been shown on videos before sure sure um yeah very 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 pretty kit uh, it feels interesting like the out the outer shell feels kind of weird has like a weird texture to it yeah um and then the side snare, which isn't on the kit now, yeah, yeah, but um, you've had it on the kit. Uh, it took me like 10 minutes to figure out the throw off. Weird. It's got the button on it, right? It's got a button. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can like throw a, like a little clip of that button or anything on there. Sure, like sure. A picture. I'll put the actual throw off. But yeah. like the button, I thought it was just like a like a aesthetic knob on the throw off yeah. and so i was like i don't want to break it i kept pulling it weird and, and, right <laughs> like there's that. a lot of hidden little and I, I remember showing you this actually there's a lot of hidden little like gadgets in little pearl, buttons pearl harbor <laughs> yeah the um the hi-hat stand kept sliding away from me and i'm like how are there not spikes on the bottom of this hi it's like a nice you know hi-hat stand like there's got to be spikes on here and then there's there's little buttons where it's like boop like a satisfying little click mm -hmm. and then the spikes like a switchblade just like shoot out of the bottom yeah. of the stand um same with the uh the bass drum have this little it's like a release on the the bass drum spikes really really cool um hardware i don't know op i don't want to necessarily say they're options but like just cool features of pearl hardware that i didn't i didn't know it's not like i've sat down and fully explored the hi-hat stand that mm -hmm. pearl makes but um yeah and then same with the throw off really weird that little release button yeah. super cool but once you know where it is it's like oh that makes a lot of sense you yeah know? you're not gonna knock it with your knee of course yeah one question i have is how do you think now that you've gone from 20 inch to 22 inch has that changed your oh, no, views no, it, didn't, it mean, didn't actually change still 20 still 20 okay still 20. sorry on um session studio select it was 22 right um that one's actually a 22 i i so this is the, that's 
uh, it's a 20, 10, 12, 14, 16, but that's not actually a shell pack that they make. So they sent me like a custom bass drum oh, size. Oh, interesting. Okay. Kind of mismatched. Yeah, I, honestly, I haven't had a 22 in okay, years. Okay, so this is interesting. So in my head, I was thinking this entire time, because I don't that fucking... I, that I bumped up to 22? That you bumped up to 22, okay. because when I played it, I was like, damn, that's a solid 22. Real deep, real warm, and complements the rest of the kit really well. Uh, compliments all the highs of the cymbals, sure, right? Sure, sure. Thinking that it was a 22, because the 22 that I play also has that same kind of feel. So that's awesome for a 20 to feel like that. Well, there are there are two things that are different from the SQ-1, my last kit. The first is it's an inch deeper, mm. which adds some, some resonance and a little bit more tone. Uh, it might take away a little bit of the punch, but with a 20, that's never actually a yeah, problem. Yeah, adds volume for sure. Yeah, so it's a 20 by 17, so a little bit deeper than you might find for a, for most 20s. But also, there's two layers of mahogany in the kick. Mm. So it's any of the like extra richness that sort of comes out of it. It's like, yeah, that's that's mahogany. It's a beautiful wood. I wouldn't pick any other wood for a bass drum ever. Yeah, yeah, birch mahogany, man. That that kit, the Session Studio Select, that's what sold me on that wood blend for sure. Mm. And there's a lot of, you know, Tom is doing it with the birch walnut. Um, and before that, they did it with Birch Babinga, which but, is just—it's like it's a different world. Because I love Babinga, but it's like it doesn't touch mahogany. Yeah, you know? it's it's not as rich. Babinga is like it's like a little bit more wet of a sound. Yeah. It's a little slappy. It's still it's still like beefy and warm, but it, it's like a little bit more of that like wet kind of a slap sound, which is kind of the Tama sound. It's like a wet attacky sort of yeah. sound. Um, but I don't know, man, Mahogany just has this really recording friendly kind of richness, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a part of me that's like, oh, should I have gotten Mahogany like in the Toms? Like I'm sure I would have loved it. No, I think it's, it's, it's very representative of your style and, and your reason not reason but like the whole use of this kid the concept of it yeah. social media and, and yeah. instagram and how you've made your living really yeah. you know lessons and everything like that it's very 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 fitting yep uh i, I think one of the next things that, that i actually want to do for sure though is i want to put regular evans g1s on the rezos all the way across the bottom right now I, i've got Ev, evans ec EC rezos that's what's on the bottom mm. and I don't think those are they don't they don't have quite as much sing as I would want I really want to get like more of like a longer tone out of these drums mm. they're only going to get so long in their their tone and their resonance because super thin burnt shells like it's not going to be a very singy kind of drum set um but I think I can get a little bit more than just like the burst of tone that it has right now I think I can get it to sing a little longer with a a thinner single ply rezo head so that'll be the next thing that I do actually in the mail right now oh, okay. so that'll be a lot of fun get some new tones coming out of it but is it gonna take nine weeks to to get to you <laughs> I don't think so well I think the problem before um that I was waiting on. Well, okay, we should give Evan some credit too. I yeah. remember one time, God, the shipping was so, it took so long back when COVID stuff happened because mm -hmm. they were in Boston. They were like fully, fully yeah. shut down for quite a while. So that was a pain. But no, I think we're, we're full steam ahead now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully those will be here um, Monday. We'll get some new tones. So obviously, like, we've been waiting a long time. I don't know if anybody's aware of how long you've About been waiting. Seven months since we, since I put in the order. Yeah. And so, I remember you handing me the paperwork or showing me like pictures of yeah, the paperwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, this is amazing. Like, can't wait. And you sent me like a photo of like what the finish was going to look like. And I was like, well, this is great. It's like, how long is it going to take? And you're just like, ah, two months. And I went, makes sense. <laughs> I That makes perfect sense. And like six months had passed. Yeah. And I was just like, so, and like, there's no benefit for me to ask this question, but I'm just kind of like, 
are they sending it to you? Is it going to get to you? And I get it. With, with the situation sure, sure. of the world is very, very different. Well, um, they, they're smart in that they don't. They never give me a date, right? Of course, they can't well, yeah, commit which to is a what date. You do, yeah. um, I think the the closest I got was like midsummer, and so sort of in this is definitely my fault. Like early summer, I was sort of like it could be any day. Like it could be any day now, couldn't it? And it ended up being slightly closer to like late summer. But I I, I started saying it could be any day in like June. <laughs> that was too soon. Mm-hmm. But you know, fully custom kit. It's one of those things. Like I I have I never even sent an email asking what happened to it. You know, because it because. It, I think it was, yeah, six or seven months. But the way I see it, like, why would you want to rush something that is no, so yeah. like, beautifully constructed? Yeah. I'm just like, dude, take your time, please, you know? And um, it is so, it's crazy having a kit this high end, looking at like the details, like mm-hmm. everything from the placement of the lugs and how like the, just everything is so flawless, like so much attention to detail that anybody who's ever waited for a custom kit, by the time you get it, you're just like, God, that was worth every second of waiting. Totally yeah. was. You I know? remember talking to Casey Cooper about it and I was just like, you know, cause he's a Pearl artist as well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, in your experience, you know, um, when you, cause I think he has one masterworks kit. If I'm not mistaken, it might be the Music City Custom, which is still fully custom. Well, yeah, yeah, but a little streamlined. He might have a Masterworks too. I actually don't know. Made in the same factory, I think was was, was his words. So, okay, so they're made in the same place, and so he said, "Well, they're handmade in in in, in a factory in Japan." Yeah, because um, that's where Pearl is based out of. So, why would you want to rush? Yeah, these the, the these craftsmen. You know, this product is going to be worth every minute that you wait for it, and you're gonna have it if you keep good care of it forever yeah you know until you yeah die. it's a lifetime kit of for course. sure yeah for so sure. my question to you is is it worth the wait yes absolutely now given you know if you're talking you know a year plus something ridiculous like that well that's a little you know it's <laughs> annoying but um in my case i think it was like six seven months from the time that it was ordered yeah man absolutely absolutely because if you're gonna have it for if you're going to own the kit for 30 years, who cares how long it takes? And keep in mind, I'm not trying to bash Pearl. I, I guarantee you it takes as long for any high-end custom kit to be made. You know, It's not like Pearl is any faster or slower than anyone else. It takes a really long time to make yeah. a fully custom kit like that. And I would really love to know like the man hours put into it. Like how many people and how much time was actually spent making it? I, I bet it's surprisingly high. I, I think um, you have the paperwork here. I do have the paperwork. Am, yeah. am I? I just kind of want to look at it. Does it have any signatures uh, or uh, so? There's, um, actually, there's actually two. There's two certificates of authenticity because of the amount of drums they couldn't fit them all on one page. So inside of there, there's like another paper with the extra SKU numbers on there. Very but. very careful with this because it seems like it's oh it's so nice. <laughs> nice like right? card so stock one, paper. One of the cool things too is if you ever wanted to add a drum to your setup, like let's just say I wanted to buy an eight inch tom or a, an eighteen inch floor tom or a second bass drum, you actually send them the exact model numbers that. You you ordered and which that you they put can, on here, yeah. They can color and wood match based on what you had, which is even cooler if you bought a used masterworks. Like, so let's say you bought one on eBay that was made in the 90s. You know, it's probably a color that they don't make anymore, like, but they, they can actually color match it if you have that paper and the skews for the drum. It's probably on the inside of the shell as well. Yeah. But really cool that you could actually um, send that to them and then have, have your drums match. I thought that was a really cool, cool feature. But I need to get that framed and put on the wall behind you, you do, is what yeah, needs to happen. Yeah, both with that. of them. They're very, very cool. Yeah. Um, it, 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 I'm going to read just kind of what is on this. And sure, I'm sure. sure if yeah, you I haven't actually done that. Yeah, yeah, tell me what it um, is. So uh, on the certificate, it has a, a nice 
gold embossed pearl at the very top, saying that it is the Certificate of Authenticity as a Masterworks kit. Has the date and model numbers and serial numbers all applicable to his kit. And it says, This exclusive Masterworks custom drum set has been hand-built by a Pearl Master Craftsman. This document certifies that this set represents the finest materials, technologies, and hand craftsmanship available in pursuit of the ultimate acoustic treatment. Ultimate. How awesome is <laughs> Official, that? Official, huh? And then you have four signatures on here. I cannot begin to understand these they're nowhere near legible and one of them is in uh, <laughs> japanese, in japanese manuscript the japanese signature is you sick, have four four or sorry one for shell construction one for paint work one for the assembly line work and one for the packing line mm -hmm. so every bit of this kit and what made it possible to get to you it's been signed by those craftsmen and yeah. those employees which sick, is right? awesome yeah so Hell Go yeah, Pearl. man. That's Go so Pearl. cool. Hell yeah. So official. Yeah. And the recognition of these employees cannot be overstated. It's crazy. Yeah, man. Well, if you guys want to learn any more about this kit, I don't want to nerd out on it too hard here yeah. because you can go to um, episode 30 of the Orlando Drummer Podcast is literally just me talking for an hour about this specific drum set, why I made all the weird decisions that I did, the 12-inch tom, the 15-inch floor tom, um, some info about you know the signature snare, which I'm still playing, by the way. But anyway, all sorts of stuff. You can go there and, and learn about it. And yeah, man. Um, happy to be with Pearl. Happy to have this kit. And I think that's all we got for you guys today. Well, I did. I did do. I asked you this in person okay. a week ago. Um, now that you have an extra rack, Tom, mm -hmm. one, are you keeping it? And two, are you liking the new orientation of everything on the kit? Um, it, dude, it's tough to say if I'm going to keep it on there. Like, it's still fun, but it's like a little like novelty fun. Just mm. like you would have fun if somebody was like, Here's like 10 extra toms. You'd be like, well, that's cool. Like, it's fun to play. I'm still not used to it yet. So, like, it's hard to say if I'm going to commit to that because when you do clinics or camps or anything like that, you know, the smaller your setup is the better. Like, it's annoying to be like, uh, you know, I'm really used to like a six piece kit or something, right? Mm -hmm. But the reality is, it doesn't really matter in this room. I don't move this stuff around very often. So it doesn't bother me to leave it up for now. Mm -hmm. um, there's a few mannerisms coming off the ride symbol where I will miss the ride really often still. So to be honest, the debate I'm having in my head now is am I going to keep it for Tam Tam? That's the big question. And I don't know. Mm -hmm. I really don't know. Because I'm practicing all these songs on this kit. And there's some things I'm actually getting used to, like Tom parts where I am using the 12 and like I keep playing it that way. So I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm honestly still totally on the fence if I'm going to keep it. Um, it's just, it's still like fun in a novel way at the moment, but I don't know. I'm trying to not be like a, too much of like a weird purist about the four piece set. Like who cares, you know, like maybe I use a 12 now, I don't know. It yeah. doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> I use one now, man. Yeah. And then for, for Tam Tam, I asked you this about a week ago as well. Mm -hmm. um, how are they providing you with a kit now that you're a Pearl artist and with everything like that? Yeah. How are they, how are they doing that? So Pearl is definitely going to have some kind of kit out there. I'm talking with, I want to say the guy's name is Frank. He's the European Pearl rep. Um, talking with him a little bit about what kind of kit, but I told him I would love to try the Masters Maple Complete. Oh. I'd love to try that kit, the Cane and Abel finish. So sick, if you guys haven't seen that thing. Uh, the finish is actually called Cane and Abel. Um, it looks like something Eric and Proda would would do it's that sort of style oh, okay. um but oh man it's such a cool finish i'd love to have that kit one day so uh I, I just told them you know i like birch i don't mind maple you know anything is is totally fine but uh yeah yeah pearl will have a dope kit out there so that'll be that'll be a lot of fun man i also don't want to be picky i like i look at it as like like 
I'm so grateful to be there and grateful to have the support of all the, the, you know, of all my endorsers that it's like, dude, what kind of kit does Pearl want me to play? Like, I don't, I'm not picky enough to care. Like I would never give them a specific model and be like, it has to be this. I mean, that seems weird. Like, well, what do what do you want to feature? I'm happy to play whatever kit Pearl wants me to play. That's how I look at it. Not so much with symbols, to be honest. I don't feel in that same regard. Like if if you're playing Tam Tam and they say, you know, we don't have a foundry reserve ride or we don't have a, uh, you know, a medium thin crash. Yeah. What do you want instead? You know the the minor you know product archive well enough. To sure, just offer up an alternative. Now, so. fortunately, with with symbols, that almost never happens because there's, mm. it's so easy to keep the symbols in stock, mm. right? Like it's not hard to find, but. You know, Pearl might not have every model of every kit that they make in in any given city, so it's a little more realistic that you could get all of your symbol requests met, but maybe not so much your kit. But I don't know. For some reason, with the kit, I just feel like I don't care. They're not going to give me a bad drum set. Like even if it was a Session Studio Select, like I love how that thing sounds. That's totally fine. So yeah, that'll actually be a really fun part of it to see what kind of kit I end up playing there. But um, yeah, that'll be really really fun. Cool. So. Hell yeah, man. All right. Well, all right. That's all we got for you guys today, man. All all good news all the way around. Thank you guys for tuning into episode 31. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. We will catch you guys next week. Take it easy. Peace.